Welcome to another episode of Homestyle Green. I'm the host of the show, Matthew Cutler-Welsh, and it's a bit of a long one today, so we're just going to get stuck straight into it. Uh, Today, I have an interview with Bob Burnett. Now, Bob Burnett is an architectural designer, and he's based in Christchurch, and I'll let Bob explain exactly what an architectural designer is and what they do. Hope you enjoy this interview. Okay, hey, um, thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, Bob, do you want to maybe start off by get, just introducing yourself and uh, telling uh, us kind of how you got, well, what you do and how you got into it? Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm an architectural designer. I've total, total probably 25 years' experience in commercial and residential design. The last... 12 years I've been in private practice with my own business and specialising in residential. Um, More of my sort of previous work was working for large um, architectural firms doing sort of fairly big commercial work. So it's um, sort of looked at both sides of the the market and um, my... And how did, just, just going back to that, how did you, how do you get into that? Were you, did you come on as a, a draft drafty? Yeah, yeah. Well, I I did the Polytech architectural drafting course. Right. Um, and so that how yeah, long? Yeah, then I, I was I was fortunate enough that I sort of came out of that in the mid eighties when things were were booming right. and took my roll of drawings around all the architects' office and I had about sort of five job job offers and nice. I could choose which architect I went and worked for. And, and how long did it take to get to that point? How long was your drafting um, course? Uh, it was three years. But right. I think that at that stage it was one year full-time and then um, part-time for two years and doing part-time work, part-time study. Right. And yeah. did that was that purely on the tools? Like were you learning, sitting down in front of the computer, learning how to be a, a CAD driver? Yeah, well, I'm showing my age, but back then there was no computers. It was yeah, right. hand, hand drafting. Wow, real um, stuff. And, yeah, I I went onto the computer when I went to work for Warren and Marnie Architects in the mid-'90s. Right. And um, in some ways I was a bit disappointed because I, quite, I sort of quite liked the hand drawings and I was sort of quite proud of my hand drawings and that that, that was a complete change. And yeah. So, onto the computer and you sort of lose that sort of personal input, that personal touch. But, um, you know, the advantage is you can do a whole lot more things. You can do a um, walkthrough or, you know, rendered images and, and that side of things. So Yeah, we'll, we'll come on to where, I mean, because you must have seen a huge amount of change in, the, in that period going from hand drawing to uh, computers and, and now just what, what's coming out today. We'll, we'll, come on to that maybe a bit later, but can you tell us a little bit uh, about what exactly is an architectural designer as opposed to a drafting technician or drafter and also as opposed to an architect? Yeah, well, a lot of people don't realise the difference and um, get confused about that, but, um, yeah, an architectural 
designer really does the same thing as an architect. And I sort of facetiously say it's, it's the same thing as an architect, except they're more expensive. But, <laughs> um, Something tells me that if I was to ask an architect, they might have a different answer to that. Yeah, well, the, the, the architect would, you know, if they're a registered architect, they'd say you should only be talking to a registered architect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it comes down to whether you've been to architecture school and whether you've be- become registered through the um, Architects Registration Board. Um, a lot of architectural designers are members of ADNZ, um, yeah. Architectural Designers New Zealand, uh, which is really very similar, does a similar thing to NZIA. Right. Um, but the top architectural designers, a lot of them have become sort of honorary architects just by sort of sitting the interview and basically the, the architects have said, you know, you're sort of doing work that's as good as us, why they, not join us sort of thing. They get shown the secret handshake? Yep, you've got to learn the secret handshake. And, um, yeah, but... Seriously, it's there's you know there's a there's a huge difference between one architect and another, and similarly there's a big difference between a top architectural designer and you know a, a, at the bottom end of the scale, an architectural designer is probably more like a draftsperson, yeah. and um, at the top end of the scale, they can sort of command um, high fees for their work because they're recognised as producing work that's of of similar quality to name architects. Yeah. And my perception is that architects are a bit more in the realm of, uh, of, of art artists. Would that be a, a fair comment? Um, um, yes and no. I think there's, there's, there's plenty of very creative architectural designers and there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of very good architects but you know some some of them are better at different types of work right and um, you know some of them might be better at the technical side of it some of them might be more artistic and more creative but it, it really comes down to the individual with yeah. whatever label you put on them it's sure. like um, you either have it and you you know you have have that sort of ability or you don't and I mean there's a lot of architects that are probably quite good technically yeah. and um, they don't have a lot of design flair and you know this is a similar sort of thing with an yeah. architectural designer. Yeah. And uh, so you're a licensed building practitioner? Yes. Right. So and, and uh, I've heard that only about 5% of houses in this country, anyway, actually go through an architect. So, very, you know, the vast majority would never see a, a an architect. Do you, Do you have an idea? Do you know from perhaps from the ADNZ what proportion of houses um, would utilise an architectural designer? Yeah, I think it's it's probably quite a lot more than five percent. Yeah. Um, I know there has been surveys done on ADNZ members and um, the types of work they do, and they, they do commercial work as well as residential. But yeah. I'd say that the probably the, the differentiating thing between a, an architectural designer or an ADNZ member and a, a registered architect is that the architectural designer will 
predominantly do more residential work and the architect would be more involved in both residential and sort of large-scale commercial work. Right, right. But, um, yeah, I think this, there's been surveys done of the membership of ADNZ and I think, you know, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was something like sort of 5 or $6 billion worth of work wow. done by the, the members yeah. collectively. Yeah. And um, there's around about 500 members throughout yeah. New Zealand, um, whereas, you know, there's probably several thousand architectural designers. So there's a lot or, or designers and draftspeople. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot yeah. that aren't members of ADNZ. But right. even looking at that group that are members of ADNZ, there's, there's, a, there's a high high value of um, work being done by them. Yeah, yeah. What, as a, as a designer, um, yeah, why, why did you choose design in the first place and what's your influence now? What, what are you inspired by? Um, well, I think going right back to sort of when I was at high school, I, I think I probably, I wanted to be an artist and um, I, yeah, I, I think I, I actually applied to do a commercial art course at Polytech and that was full up because they're only accepting sort of 20 people so right. I ended up doing the architectural design one so yeah. um, and I've always wanted to do something creative and yeah, um, yeah. and I've, I've always sort of admired um, good architecture and um, probably my influences they have been the top Japanese architects and right. even I have a I have my partner, my life partner, my wife is a Japanese architect, and yeah. even before I met her, I was in, influenced by Japanese architecture because of its sort of high level of refinement, and it just seemed to be very sort of different aesthetically and very well thought out. Um, and yeah, obviously, right. since meeting my wife, I've sort of been over to Japan quite a few times and sort of absorbed. What's what's over there, and um, yeah, that's sort of growing really. So, and you you mentioned there you, you've always admired good architecture and good buildings. What if you were to describe a good building or a good architecture? What what would you say that is? I I, I think it's got to it's got to have a human factor, and um, it's got to have a a feel that, um, or, you know, a good feel. And yeah. rather than being a sort of compilation of building material, something that has no kind of soul to it, something that has a kind of individuality, a connection to nature, but a, um, a, has its own sort of character. Yeah. Um, that's important and that's what makes people feel comfortable in a space. Um, aesthetically, you know, um, and then the other thing is obviously it's got to be comfortable in terms of the energy efficiency, the warmth and, and all those sort of things as well. That uh, all sounds like a bit of a tall order in probably one of the most common places that we build houses at the moment, which would be the good old subdivision. Do, do you see that it's possible to create a building with those qualities in a, in a subdivision, in a greenfield development? Yeah, I think it's very possible. Um, 
the unfortunate thing is that most of those developments um, until recently, you know, I haven't been working in those areas because they're the realm of the, the group home installers. Yeah. Um, and there's very little design input actually ends up in those areas. But most of my sort of work area has been in the sort of mid to high end um, homes and yeah. quite often on the Port Hills or lifestyle blocks where someone wants something that's a bit different, a bit better than an average kind of cookie-cutter house. Yeah. And, and we've discussed in the past and in um, in conversations where we you, you mentioned that you think there might be an opportunity there for the people, obviously, who might be constrained by their budget, who are looking that that's the only option is a is a is a group home builder offering, uh, but there's nothing to stop someone going down that pathway for their building project, but still having an input from a, a designer, um, whether that's facilitated by the building company or them going out and seeking that that design advice. Do you still see that as a feasible option for people? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's. There's a real um, opportunity there. Um, there's, there's a lot of people that are probably scared of walking into an architect's office and entering into that kind of um, process and the sort of traditional architect-client relationship. Why, why do you think that? Is that because is that they're scared of the, how much they're going to get charged? Yeah, I think um, they're scared of getting... They're going to start the time like the lawyer? And they perhaps don't understand the value of design as much as as people should, and yep. they think that it's going to cost them more and they don't see that they're going to get a benefit from that that stacks up. But So approximately, what, what, what would be, what would you, what does it cost? If someone wanted to go along and um, maybe they've got some ideas, they've got a bit of concept and they just want to run it past a designer, how much are they looking at? Um, <clears throat> it's It's... It's really variable. You know, it depends on um, who it is. Yeah. And, you know, for a, an award-winning architectural designer, you'd be paying a similar fee to an award-winning architect. Um, how much would that be? Sort of on a, maybe an hourly, hourly basis? Um, most don't charge on an hourly basis. Most charge on a percentage of the, the contract price or the price of the building. And, right. um you know, the, the the name architects, noted architects, would be charging upwards of 10%. So it would be like wow. 10, 10 to, I've heard of even sort of 12, 14%. Uh, whereas we, I mean, we've, we've sort of made a bit of a name for ourselves over the, the years and um, got a reputation, but we're kind of middle of the road with our fees. So yeah. we're probably um, around about 6%. But... Six percent of total build. Yeah, but so it depends on the project. If it's yeah, yeah, sure. If it's a small house, there could be almost the same amount of work or a similar amount of work to a large house, and so a large house would have a smaller fee percentage. So yeah. it might be like five or less yeah. for a large house. Yeah. Um, you got that all the detail right. Hey, now yeah. let's let's move on because I, I want to um, I want to cover. Um, thermal modelling, and, and I guess this is the one of the probably the biggest uh, changes. Well, there's probably been a whole bunch of changes, but one of the the great things that 
has come as a result of that transition from uh, pen and paper onto the computer world is the ability to, like you say, visualise things in 3D, move around the house, but also see how the house performs. And that's something that I know that you've been working in uh, in a little while. Can you tell us how did you get into thermal modelling in the first place? Um, well, I've, I've probably, for the last 10 or more years, I've been interested in energy efficiency and I've sort of got a bit of a reputation for that. And I've learnt um, a few few techniques and, um, you know, quite a lot of sort of building methods to make um, buildings thermally efficient. And I thought by learning how to um, kind of give that some, some credibility by putting some some numbers to it and backing it up with computer modelling um, just gives more credibility to what I'm already doing. Um, so were, were, were customers asking for that or were, was it something that you wanted to provide? Uh, no, people weren't asking for it. They weren't aware of it. It's, I, I suppose I'm a little bit of a geek or, you know, I have been in the past, you know, I... I've been a, a tutor of ArchiCAD at Polytech and things, so yep. I'm keen to keep up with technology right. as, as well as having an interest in environmental design. So it was kind of a logical thing to have a look at eco-designer yep. um, and, yeah, just see how that works. And yep. um, So, so uh, well, let's get a little bit geeky there. They're, the world's kind of split down the middle, as I understand, uh, in the in the world of uh, digital drawing, um, with half being ArchiCAD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say it's around about half being ArchiCAD, and then probably about thirty percent would be AutoCAD, and then the rest would be various other programs. Right. Uh, and, but and it might be slightly more than half. You know, it depends who you talk to. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and your your chosen chosen weapon is ArchiCAD. Yeah, it's it, it's a good program. It's a very um, mature program because it yeah. was developed in the early '80s on Apple computers. And from the beginning, it's had the virtual um, building model, um, which nowadays they call BIM, Building Information Modeling. Yeah. Uh, so it's been a kind of a pioneering program with that 3D BIM technology. Yeah. And, um, the other um, competitors um, have caught up by creating add-ons for, for AutoCAD and, and other programs that right. do similar things. And uh, you mentioned you mentioned uh, you started using EcoDesigner there, so tell us a bit about uh, about that. Yeah, well, probably it's probably a couple of years ago I, s I first looked at that, and um, yeah, I guess the first project that I did, um, actually, yeah, I was probably probably wrong in saying that I got into it, because I was interested interested, and not because I was asked to. Because the first project that I did was a home where someone thought they designed a very um, environmentally aware, um, energy efficient house. And you know, it had had a few good ideas in it, but they sort of clicked to the the idea that they they clicked to the reality that it wasn't quite working as well as it should, or it wasn't going to work as well as it should. So they asked me to do a model of their existing design and then 
create a new design that was more um, energy efficient. And so, in what stage of the, the build was this, this realisation? Unfortunately, they'd actually, they were partway through building it, so they'd actually put the, put the, done the floor and put the frames up and they were putting the roof trusses on. And I said, hang on a minute, just stop, and we're going to have to take two steps back to take ten steps forward sort right. of thing because that wasn't going to work in terms of the, the solar gain required. And they actually had a big heat sink wall in the middle of the house which wasn't going to see much sun at all, so it was more of a cold sink than a heat sink. Right. And um, so they were bold enough to say, yeah, let's change the design, even though we've, we're sort of partway through building it. And they asked me to um, produce a model of the existing design and then analyse that and eco-design it and then produce a new design which was better and then analyse that so that we could actually establish what the improved energy efficiency was going to be of the new design. So you, you turned up on site and said, hang on, uh, let's whip the, that roof off. We're going we're gonna to stop work and go away and have a think about it and design a new roof. Yeah, well, we, we did a new roof, but we also changed the orientation of the rooms, some of the rooms, and basically redesigned the whole house. But and was how, did, how did the um, builder feel about that? Well, they were building it themselves. Oh, were they? So Right. Um, yeah, and, yeah, so other than having to stick with the, the floor slab and, um, you know, the perimeter, we basically went back to basics and said... Um, Oh, hello. It's my, my dog. It's my phone. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, we sort of took it took it back to bare bones and, yeah. and um, really sort of redesigned it for them. Um, and it so, worked very well. So using eco-designer, you were basically able to tell how much power the the house was going to consume. Is that is that correct? Yeah, well, we were able to see what the heating requirement was for the for for the months of the year um, throughout the year, yeah. and we reduced it from six months of the year with the existing design to two and a bit months of the year that it actually required external heat input. Oh, um, wow! So, so, if they built it as it was, they would need to run heating for for the half of the year. Yeah, and based on your model. With the changes you made, that they'd only need to what was it June or July or July August or somewhere around there. That was yeah. the only time they yeah. needed. Yeah, I to think it was sort of like two and a bit, two and a half right. months that they needed to heat input, and that is in the form of a wood fire, which also heats their water and heats underfloor heating. Wow, and uh, so I mean that that makes that must translate to both um, significant comfort. Uh, improvements for the whole year, but also real tangible cost savings. Yeah, well, um, with EcoDesigner, you can actually put in what the power cost is per kilowatt and work out how much you're going to to pay in power for a given design. And um, But in this case, they were generating their own power because they had photovoltaic panels, so we didn't do that. Um, but I guess if you were doing that, you... you you can then um, uh, customise the size and the investment you need to make in, in all that stuff and, and reduce the outlay on, on what you need to in, to put in the house uh, and reduce yeah. your costs even further. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like 
um, that that was a straw bale house, so and it and it had sort of huge insulation in the roof, so it was it was very um, minimal heat requirement from the start. But if you model a sort of more conventional house and sort of work out what what the heating requirements are by perhaps changing the um, glazing to high performance glazing or putting more insulation in, then you could work out that you could save by having less um, heating plant or um, yeah. that sort of thing. So, so, so basically, you've got your plan. You you tell the the software where the house is going to be located and 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 which direction it's going to face, and and then what else do you have to say? Do you have to tell it what what temperature you want it to be inside? Yep, you do that, and it actually automatically downloads the weather for the location Perfect. from the internet. Um, and uh, a lot of it is, is quite automated because you're using the virtual building model. Wow. And the, the big news, which we, I've talked about uh, previously, just uh, last month, um, Eco Designer was rolled into ArchiCAD, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, the version 16 of ArchiCAD, the latest version, has Eco Designer built in and until... Now it's been an add-on program where probably only a small percentage of the user base have actually gone out and purchased the program and have been using it, you know, maybe less than 5%. But right. um, now that sort of 100% of people who have ArchiCAD have it. Which is half of the people potentially, uh, at yeah, least half of people are designing houses. 50% of the, the profession, really, probably. So what would you say to someone, to if someone's doing a house plan at the moment, getting a, a house drawn up, um, what would you say, what would you recommend to them? Um, well, I'd be saying definitely use an architect who has ArchiCAD and has a kind of eco ethos and um, they'll, they'll be able to do the modelling and give you the data that... Um, it's going to be very important. We sound like we sound like we might be doing a bit of a commercial here for uh, for Archicad. Perhaps we are. Perhaps I should look at that as a sponsorship deal. <laughs> but um, I, I and I I would uh, um, endorse that as well. I think uh, you know I know that there are other programs out there, but I think I, th I think the key message is that this stuff is just so accessible now, and the the benefits are, are pretty huge. Um, obviously, you know, if you can tell right at the early stages how much something's going to, uh, how well it's going to perform how, and how much it's going to cost to run, um, why wouldn't you do it? You know, why, why, uh, is there a reason why people would, would uh, be reluctant to do this sort of thing? Um, I can't think of one. <laughs> how, much would it, how much extra does it cost? Like if you're, if you're doing a design of a house, um, surely there must be a bit more time required to get this information. Well, I think it's only kind of two or three hours work. So, you know, it would be, you know, once you've got the model in there and um, it, there's, you know, there's a little bit of, of data that you've got to input into there, but um, it's, you know, once you've set it up, you can analyse yeah. different designs really at the click of a button. So you right. can amend the design and see, well, how much better is this going to perform? And even even two or three hours of professional time um, on that example you described before, if you're cutting your 
your heating period from six months to two months, you'd probably you'd, you'd pay for that in the first year that you're living in the house. Yeah, absolutely. And have a much more comfortable house um, and, and healthier house uh, yeah. as a benefit. Yep. Hey, awesome. Hey, look, we're, we're, I think we've run out of time. I did. Um, you, you're, of course, based in Christchurch, and um, that's a whole other topic, um, yeah. talking about your experiences uh, during and, and post-earthquake and, and what the, the opportunities are down there. One very quick question um, is that what what's the state of play down there from a, a personal level? What what do you feel that people most need in terms of housing at the moment down in Christchurch? Yeah, good question. I, uh, I think I'm just starting to see the rebuild work get some traction and there's there's quite an increase in the level of in, inquiry. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of... Um, people in the sort of traditional area that I've been working in, upmarket homes on the hills and, and that sort of thing that need new homes because yeah. the hills were hit quite heavily. Yeah. Um, there's probably sort of maybe 800 homes yeah. to, to do there, um, which is kind of my the area that I play in, you know, my bread and butter there. But I'm also working on more affordable, smaller um, homes for um, energy-efficient smaller homes right. for the people who, who need a more affordable product and yep. um, less, less budget, you know, perhaps some of the people coming out of the red zone that don't have big budgets. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually looking at putting together a building company to service that segment of the market and focus more on environmental design and energy efficiency, which um, is something that hasn't really been catered for by most of the volume home builders. Yeah, and, and you mentioned smaller there as well, and maybe people looking at, at a more compact design and, and just questioning what what size they actually need to live in and, and what, what they can afford to run as well. Yeah, well, through doing my own developments, I've been doing some infill developments and medium high density zones l3 and and in Christchurch and yeah. doing quite sort of compact two-story homes on very small sites sort of 290 300 square meters yeah and finding that they're quite popular and yeah right making them um, up spec in terms of high performance glazing good thermal envelope and things and so a, a small, high-quality home close to amenities rather than a, a sprawling, massive home out in, in the suburbs somewhere? Yeah, there seems to be a shift, and, and people will, will pay sort of reasonable money for a small house if it's got the right sort of level of specification. In yeah, terms. yeah, yeah. And a good location. Yeah. Hey, look... Um, 800 houses sounds like you're going to be pretty busy, so I better let you get get back into it. <laughs> yeah. How can uh, how can people get in touch with you, Bob? If they uh, if they are uh, one of those people, or if they just want to um, some more information uh, uh, about about yourself and what you do. Uh, just um, either via the website or um, give me a call. And all your contact inf- information's on your website, which is at. BBARC.com. That's it. Great. Hey, well, thank you uh, very much for your time today, Bob. Really appreciate that. 
You're welcome. And um, good luck with all that uh, energy modelling and uh, design work down in Christchurch. Thanks very much, Matt. Cheers, Bob. Well, there you go. There was my interview with architectural designer Bob Burnett, who is from Christchurch. And uh, I hope you enjoyed that. I uh, I have had some great chats with, with Bob, and I'm really excited about the, the work that uh, Bob has done and that is possible now with regards to this, this energy modelling of, of houses. I think it does just open up a whole new world for people who are, who are designing a house. And uh, it's it's such a um, low barrier to entry now for for doing that type of analysis and and potentially saving some real big bucks further down the track, and and just creating a much more comfortable place just makes a lot of sense to me. So I guess the key things to take out of that interview, um, firstly, was the the difference as Bob explained between a a drafts person, an architectural designer, which Bob is and uh, a fully-fledged architect. And as I mentioned, architects, most people who are building, probably only about 5% of people um, uh, see an architect. Um, but there are a lot of architectural designers out there. And, and and the second point is that it's well worth running your plans past an architectural designer because it, it's not that, it doesn't have to be scary or super expensive, but it could be well worth it from an aesthetic point of view, from a, a design uh, perspective and um, thirdly the third big point is ask to get a an energy analysis done because the the stuff's out there now and if your designer doesn't know what you're talking about then uh, have a look around because chances are there'll be someone um, his, his competitor maybe that can do that for you or um, or perhaps you can say hey well if you go to uh, Archicad and and uh, check out what's available there, then they'll be able to run a an energy analysis on, from your design and hopefully avoid you needing to change your roof halfway through a project as as Bob has done. So, look, I hope you found that useful. Definitely, um, uh, if you are in a situation looking to, to do a design, then then um, ask those questions. And if you're a designer, then make sure you check out what's available from Archicad and, and get stuck into that thermal modelling. The uh, couple of websites mentioned today, obviously Bob's uh, own website, which is bbarc.com. That's Bob Burnett Architecture, bbarc.com. And he also mentioned ADNZ, which is the Architectural Designers um, website. So it's ADNZ and also NZIA, which is New Zealand Institute of Architecture. So um, you can check out those for some more resources as well. And, of course, if you want to get in touch with uh, someone who can just give you a hand with your designs, do check out homestar.org.nz and there's a register on the Homestar website where you can find a Homestar practitioner who can have a look over your plans and give you some guidance on some things that you can do. And they can also do their own little energy analysis to tell you what sorts of things uh, would be worthwhile investing in that design. You can get in touch with me, comments at homestylegreen.com and I do receive those emails directly So and I, and I will respond to them. So would love to hear your, your comments and, and questions as always. Uh, that's it from me, Matthew Cutler-Welsh, signing off for another podcast of Homestyle Green. Thanks for listening. Love it if you could give the show a rating over in iTunes and tune in again next time. I've got another great interview lined up 
with our eco design advisor so check that out next week okay bye for now